Broncos cheerleaders, and you're listening to Sports Crunch with DCROM. This is Sports Crunch with T-Crom. I'm your host, David Cromelo. Joined as always by my right-hand man, Hale, bent to full press coverage. And every year, the NFL gets better in ways we least suspect. And what happened this week was a classic example. When it comes to the NFL trade deadline, year after year, we get all the drama, yet little to no action. But this year, not only did we get action, we had 10. 10 trades on Tuesday alone, including some high-profile players going to serious contenders just hours before the deadline struck. And boy, I sure hope this is the new norm going forward, don't you, Hal? I certainly hope that it is indeed. I loved this excitement at the trade deadline. It's long, long overdue for the NFL, and I was so happy to have all these rumors and deals popping up, uh, alerts all afternoon. It was fantastic. So great to see a real tra uh, trade deadline for a change and these exciting young general managers in the NFL that aren't afraid to make these deals, aren't afraid to trade within their division, aren't afraid to trade high draft picks. I am loving it. Oh, absolutely. And we're going to be talking about some of those trades in just a bit. But first, let's talk about what we saw in week seven. What was the biggest lesson you learned from the games this week, Hal? Boy, I, you know, if I was uh, just going to that crazy Carolina-Atlanta game, it would be keep your helmet on till you get to the sidelines, maybe. But <laughs> I think <laughs> there might be some better lessons there as well. Uh, number one, man, I'm going to tell you, quarterbacks matter. And I'm looking at Dallas and Chicago in that game, the growth of Justin Fields. Dallas, they do not win that game without Dak Prescott back at quarterback. I thought he was phenomenal back there. Looked so much more comfortable. Uh, you know, we missed on an upset special again because of great quarterback play. Tua Tagliavoa again in Miami, standing on his head. An amazing performance there against the Lions team that looked ready to pull off that upset. And hey, great quarterbacks. I can't not mention the pocket passer of the day, uh, Jalen Hurts. You want to doubt Jalen Hurts? Bring it on. He's ready to shut you up like he did in that Keystone State battle on Sunday. What a performance. Just firing touchdowns down the field. It was so impressive. I love it. Great quarterback play is great for the NFL, and we saw all kinds of it on Sunday. Uh, that's a lesson we learn almost every week, but uh, last week definitely showed us that not only do we have uh, the Josh Allens of the world, but we also have some rising young stars as well, like Justin Fields and Tua Tungaboy-Loa. I totally, totally agree. And the biggest lesson I learned, we're going to stick at Dallas for that lesson. It must, and I mean must, be Tony Pollard time in Dallas. As uh, we alluded to last week, Tony Pollard, has been better than Zeke Elliott for quite some time now. And I thought the Cowboys wouldn't miss a beat without Zeke in the lineup. And boy, not only did it, they miss a beat. They scored 49 points and on just 15 touches, Tony Pollard 
totaled 147 yards and three touchdowns. Yet after the game, Jerry Jones said, we're going to ride with Zeke when he comes back. Oh, my God, Jerry Jones. Whatever you're doing, just step back, look in the mirror, and look at these numbers. Tony Pollard's averages, according to Ted Nguyen of uh, The Athletic, he ranks fifth in yards over expected per rush, first in yards after contact per rush, and tenth in explosive rush rate. And not only that, Mina Kimes uh, said yesterday that since 2021, Tony Pollard has rushed for 5.47 yards per carry between the tackles. That is second amongst all running backs. And where does Ezekiel Elliott rank in that metric? 38. Oh, oh, come on, Cowboys. Feed Tony Pollard. Give him at least half the carries and not a fraction less. That is my hope going forward. I cannot agree with you more, David. Like you said, we've been talking about this while, and the ego of Jerry Jones is what's at stake here, and he will not admit he was wrong for giving that contract to Zeke Elliott and is just going to keep riding him out there, and it is absolutely horrible and going to hurt his team in the long run. So 100% great lesson learned there, David. And who is your GOAT of the week for week seven, Hal? Well, um, let's stick with quarterbacks. I saved one for this one because another week, another virtuoso performance from Geno Smith in Seattle. I mean, first in the NFL in completion percentage, third in QBR, QBR rating behind Allen and Mahomes. Is Geno Smith a top three quarterback? We have to look at that and say, I think he is. 107 quarterback rating, 13 to three touchdown to interceptions. Uh, Geno Smith just keeps proving his doubters wrong week after week. And I'm not going to be a doubter any longer. I am saying he is the GOAT of this week and probably many more going forward. Team Gino, I'm on board. I agree, Hal. I am on Team Gino as well. And for my go to the week honor, I decided to split it amongst two running backs who not that many years ago were Heisman Trophy finalists at the same time they both were in college. And they're still balling in the NFL all these years later. Of course, I'm talking about Derrick Henry and Christian McCaffrey. And Derrick Henry last Sunday, not only did he run for over 200 yards, he ran for 200 or more yards for the fourth consecutive time the Titans have played the Texans. Have you ever seen a running back own a team like Derrick Henry owns the Texans? Oh, man. Never, never. This is domination is what that is. Unbelievable performance from the big back. And on a day when, let's face it, Everybody in the country knew he was getting the ball with Malik Willis back there at quarterback. And to know he's coming and not, and still with those eight man fronts, knowing they're there to stop him, what an amazing performance! What an amazing human specimen is Derrick Henry. Oof. Absolutely. And uh, Christian McCaffrey is also my go to the week because on Sunday, he showed why the 49ers gave up all those picks to get it because he is a playmaker. He made history. 
becoming one of only five players in NFL history to record a touchdown pass, a touchdown reception, and a touchdown run in the same game a la David Patton with your New England Patriots in 2001, Walter Payton back in the 80s, and LaDainian Tomlinson back uh, in the early 2000s, mid to early 2000s as well. Uh, that is rarefied air. Chris McCaffrey showed just how special he is when healthy. And for the love of God, I hope he stays healthy because he looks excellent in that Kyle Shanahan offense. And now for our dunks of the week honors, as stupid as the rule may be, you have to know the rules. And that's why DJ Moore, you are my dunks of the week. You carelessly taking your helmet off on the field after one of the most amazing touchdown passes I've ever seen in recent years, at least. You cost your team first place in the division. Oh, my God. Well, Eddie Pinheiro shares blame as well. But if it wasn't for you, Eddie Pinheiro would have made that extra point. Are you kidding me? DJ Moore, this could be looked back as a blown opportunity for the Panthers this season. And it could be the... Uh, force that uh, leads the season downhill for all we know because you had a chance to salvage your season and uh, you helped blow it. So you're my dunce of the week, DJ Moore. Man, from hero to dunce in no time at all. That was unbelievable. Um, hey, for me, I've got to go with, uh, you know, I'll throw a couple names out here, but I'm going to start with Zach Wilson of the Jets. Uh, in a position to break that 12-game losing streak to the Patriots with the lead in the second half of the game. The Jets have been a fourth-quarter, second-half team all year long. All you got to do is hold on to the ball, Zach. Three interceptions, turning an easy win into an ugly, ugly loss. And again, the same questions over and over again coming up on Zach Wilson is there ever going to be any growth there and turn that attention onto Robert Sala and GM Joe Douglas uh hey I gotta throw you in that mix too you picked him and not only that you know a loss like that with the festering problems with Denzel Mims and Elijah Moore already in that locker room Things could get really ugly really soon in New York. Uh, not getting any favors with the schedule as well with Buffalo this week and then New England coming off the bye yet again. So, uh, yeah, Zach Wilson especially, but uh, Robert Salad, Joe Douglas, sorry, you guys are a dunce of the week for that performance uh, on Sunday. Very fair honor indeed. And now let's talk about the trade of Palooza that shook the NFL this week, as we alluded to. And uh, we are going to grade some of the high profile trades. Uh, the trade fest began on Monday as the Bears traded Pro Bowl linebacker Roquan Smith to the Ravens for a second and fifth round pick. Hal, what are your grades for this trade for both teams, starting with the Bears? Uh, you know, for the Bears, I think there was zero possibility of re-signing Roquan Smith. I think that um, played out rather ugly <laughs> so far, and to put it nicely. So uh, being able to get that return back from him, 
uh, from Baltimore with that second round pick. I get to give them an A minus as well. Um, but for Baltimore, I'm grading it highly as well. They've been looking for that impact player at linebacker. Patrick Queen has been so hot and cold for them. He can look like the answer one week and disappear for a month after that. So uh, they definitely needed something uh, to jazz up that linebacker core and that missing piece on defense. They really think Smith can be it. So A minuses for both teams. I thought they both did good. And the price for Baltimore if they don't re-sign Roquan Smith for whatever reason, they're more than happy enough to take that 2024 compensable pick, which will probably be a third rounder. So really moving back uh, one round over a year, they're not going to sweat it too much. I would have to agree with you there. I like this uh, move for the Bears because uh, Roquan Smith uh, wasn't going anywhere and uh, his antics as his own agent was uh, driving the front office crazy and it flies in the face of the culture they're trying to build there. And I, I really like the return they got, especially for a guy who plays a position that's being devalued year after year uh, in the NFL. And uh, the Ravens, uh, their defense needed more playmakers and boy, did they get one in Roquan Smith. He should help that defense protect more leads in the fourth quarter going forward. And there was a rare intra-division trade in the NFC North, but it's not rare if it's Kwesi Adolfo Mensah making the trade because <laughs> Kwesi Adolfo Mensah traded down with the Lions on draft day so the Lions could take uh, Jamison Williams. And lo and behold, the Vikings traded away some draft capital to the Lions for TJ Hawkinson, a promising young tight end who's been looking for a respectable quarterback to play with. And I think he now has one in Kirk Cousins. So what are your grades for this trade, starting with the Lions? Uh, with the Lions, I'm giving them a C- minus on this trade. Uh, I really saw Hawkinson as a building block for this young team going forward. And this kind of throws a monkey wrench into this rebuilding plan, which is in year two. Um and doesn't look very good and doesn't look very good for the rest of the season, getting rid of one of their top offensive weapons. So uh, for Detroit, I'm giving them a C minus Minnesota, a B plus. Uh, I think it's a good move. I don't know what you're going to do with Irv Smith jr. Next year, but I doubt you're going to keep both of them at the price tag. It's going to cost Hawkinson, but he's still got the fifth year option. He's still got the franchise tag. So you're looking at Hawkinson uh, really being available for two years after this at around probably about 21, 22 million total, which is a very fair price for a tight end of his caliber for, so Minnesota, uh, very good trade. See what you do with Irv uh, when he's healthy again next year. Very interesting to see that, but uh, Minnesota, Hey, they're ready to win this year and they're building for the future with this trade and this season as well. I agree, and I think your C-minus grade for the Lions was generous. I'm giving the Lions a D here because the Lions are likely going to have their eyes on Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud in the draft this coming spring. And, yeah, you got Almond Ross St. Brown, who I really love. And uh, Jamison Williams has a lot of promise, but he hasn't even played yet. 
What is a rookie quarterback's favorite weapon? The tight end. The tight end is the security blanket. You got rid of that security blanket in TJ Hawkinson. I just do not understand this move at all for the Lions. And for the Vikings, I'm going to have to give them an A minus, actually, because uh, outside of Justin Jefferson, uh, they really didn't have a weapon that scared you that much. Uh, Adam Thielen is getting old. Uh, yes, he could still catch a red zone touchdown, but uh, his skill set is nowhere near where it was several years ago. And uh, KJ Osborne is a respectable wide receiver three, but he's just a move the chain slot receiver kind of guy. You needed another potential dynamic weapon in that passing game, and you got that with Hawkinson, who has the potential to not only uh, draw attention away from Justin Jefferson, but also stay in line and block for Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison in that run game. He's a, a he's a every way tight end, TJ Hawkinson. Excellent move for the Vikings. And the Chicago Bears, they wanted to upgrade the supporting cast for Justin Fields, who has played really well these past several weeks. And they were able to outbid the Packers to get Chase Claypool from the Steelers, but they had to send their own original second round pick, not the pick they got from the Ravens, to the Steelers plus a fifth to get Claypool who has been a pretty controversial figure in that locker room, dare I say, at least in the eyes of Mike Tomlin, who questioned his effort uh, at times. So what is your grade for this trade for the Bears? Uh, For the Bears, I'm going with a D. We've seen what kind of receivers have been available in the second round of the NFL draft. And teams are fine. I mean, there's so many good wide receivers coming out of the draft each year that the second round is just an extension of the first round. We're looking at eight or nine uh, potential number one receivers coming out of the draft year after year. Now there's just so much talent and for the bears to give that up uh, for Claypool, uh, you know, he's got one year left on that rookie deal. Really Um, Chicago is rebuilding, save that pick get somebody um, who's going to be an impact player for another four or five years. Uh, You're not making the playoffs this year. Justin Fields, if you don't know that he's your quarterback of the future, what are you doing in that job? Um, The talent is clear with Justin Fields. Add that building block in the draft, not by giving up a high second round draft pick. I just did not like that move at all by the Bears. Got to give them a D there. And what about your grade for the Steelers? Uh, For the Steelers, I've given them an an A minus. I mean, I think this is better than they could have expected. Um, They've still got Deontay Johnson. Um, You know, there's a lot of talent with George Pickens there. They're rookie there as well. So, and hey, Pittsburgh does this every year. Like, you know, how long has Pittsburgh just been, you know, yeah, we'll let the guy walk and we'll just pick another wide receiver and he plugs right in and they've got another Pro Bowl uh, wide receiver in the draft. It just happens all the time. So for the Steelers, they've got to be ecstatic uh, to scoop up that early second round draft pick from the Bears. Um, and like you said, where the Bears are likely to be picking uh, for the Steelers, win, win right there. So that's a alert. Beep, 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 beep. I like it. I unfortunately, I'm going to have to say the same thing about my Bears. They drastically overpaid for Chase Claypool. However, with this caveat, if Justin Fields continues to 
grow and become a quarterback that can elevate his supporting cast, uh, this uh, will be moot. So uh, that's the caveat there, but they definitely overpaid. I agree. And as we talked about the possibility last week of the Denver Broncos trading Bradley Chubb for a second and a third round pick, they traded Bradley Chubb indeed to the Miami Dolphins for the first round pick that the Dolphins have uh, in uh, 2023 that uh, originally belonged to the 49ers. Keep in mind, the Dolphins were docked their original 2023 first round pick due to the uh, Stephen Ross uh, pay-to-lose scandal, so to speak. And uh, the Broncos uh, also got back uh, Chase Edmonds, who will be a worthwhile addition to their running back room and uh, a future uh, fourth round pick as well in 2024. So uh, I actually think this is a win-win for both teams, Hal. What are your grades for the Broncos and the Dolphins? Well, for the Broncos, I've got a straight A. Um, I mean, a first round pick has got to be better than they expected as we discussed last week um i i don't think they could have made that deal soon enough as soon as that first round pick was on the table um and and for the dolphins i mean i mean yes i understand they're going for it this year um that offense looks exciting the defense they definitely need help i would have thought they'd be addressing the secondary or uh, a little bit of help on the offensive line, which is desperately needed. But uh, going with the pass rush, especially with Jalen Phillips playing so well this year, um, was a little bit of a surprise for me. Um, definitely, I kind of question at that. So for me, that knocks it down to a B for the Dolphins. But hey, they win the Super Bowl. All bets are off. I'm changing that to an A. So <laughs> uh, absolutely, and. Another interesting trade that went down, the Atlanta Falcons trading Pro Bowl wide receiver Calvin Ridley, who is currently serving a season-long suspension on ridiculous gambling charges, dare I say, to the Jacksonville Jaguars, and uh, the Falcons get some conditional picks in return that could be as low as a fifth or as high as a second, depending on how Ridley fares uh, in Jacksonville. What was your grade for the Falcons and your grade for the Jaguars? Well, for the Falcons, you know, if they've made up their mind that Ridley's never going to play for them again, um, you know, they got a pretty decent return for a player that's technically indefinitely suspended right now. So um, I've got no problem giving them a B plus on that grade. Um, I'm looking at it on the, you know, they're looking at it and saying, hey, he's never playing for us again. Um, you know, he, we're going to have to re-sign him. He's, you know, um, has his fifth year option coming up, but for Jacksonville, I mean, that's a straight a, you know, people with short memories, um, Hey, Calvin Ridley was a top three wide receiver in 2020, not, you know, top three in the division, not top three in the conference eggs one of the three best wide receivers in the game. And for, you know, you look at what the Dolphins traded for Tyreek Hill, what the Raiders traded for Devontae Adams, first and second round picks to start with. Um, yes, Ridley has the risk, but um, my goodness, the upside potential for the Jaguars 
is just sky high. Conditional draft picks, they've got plenty of draft picks. Uh, to get a player of this caliber and to have him available for Trevor Lawrence next year, I mean, that just looks, you know, Ridley, Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, and say they add a receiver in the draft, they're going to be loaded next year at that position. So a straight A for the Jacksonville Jaguars, a good creative way to get a top end wide receiver without mortgaging your future. Oh, excellent point there, Hal. Calvin Ridley could be the ultimate steal, dare I say, for the Jaguars in the long run. And uh, before we uh, go to our favorite game, Let's talk about uh, the big news that broke today. It was a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day for Daniel Snyder. It was first reported by Forbes that Daniel Snyder hired Bank of America to explore a potential sale of the commanders. And the club essentially confirmed the report in a press release saying that the hire was made to, and I quote, consider potential transactions, unquote. And while that statement didn't say Snyder would sell the team, it also didn't say he wouldn't either. Like Daniel Snyder said for many years that he would not change the name of the team from the Redskins to something else, and yet he did. But that wasn't all. It was just broken uh, in, within the hour by ESPN that the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Eastern District of Virginia has opened a criminal investigation into allegations that the commanders engaged in financial improprieties. So, do you interpret today's events as the beginning of the end of Daniel Snyder's days as an NFL owner? I do. Yes. Hallelujah. Yes. Get him out. And, you know, I think it's as sad as the statement this is that's, that I'm going to say, you know, the horrible conduct, sexual harassment, they would have kept him in charge. But man, when you're stealing money from the other owners, that's how they're going to get 24 of them to agree to oust him is when he's taking money from their pockets. And I think Daniel Snyder is finally seeing the light and understanding what that situation is. And he's got to do what he can. And, and I mean, oh, the horror. What's he going to sell the team for? $5 billion, $6 billion. He's got uh, the Waltons on. to thank. He's got the Waltons to That's thank right. for that. That's right. He's, the, the value is a billion dollars over the Broncos already. So uh, th there's no way he comes out of this, uh, you know, a sad sack in any way, shape, or form. But yes, please get him out of there. Get a responsible owner in there. Watch that fan base come back to the commanders. And, you know, hopefully this clears up anything going on with the struggles with the getting a new stadium built. I'd still love to see them go back to Washington, D.C. It'd be the greatest thing. And maybe getting Daniel Snyder out of there is just what is needed for that. Get them back to the old RFK location with a new stadium. That would be amazing for Washington, D.C. Hallelujah, indeed. The Commander's fan base, uh, formerly known as the Redskins fan base, was one of the most passionate NFL fan bases in the 80s and 90s. 
But Daniel Snyder just flushed all of that goodwill completely down the toilet. He has made that team the laughing stock of not just the NFL, but of the sports world in general. It is long overdue. Uh, and he knows that his time is almost up and it's not going to even require a, a vote of owners to throw him out of the league. He's going to be forced to sell it because of this criminal investigation alone. That is all there is to it. And it's time to play our favorite game on this program. Truth or exaggeration. You know how this game works. I make a statement and Hal, you let me know whether you think I'm telling the truth or whether I'm exaggerating and why. It's time to bring back the same Trevor Lawrence campaign to get Trevor Lawrence out of Jacksonville. Truth or exaggeration? Exaggeration, exaggeration. He's, I'm telling you, Ridley, yes. Kirk, Zay Jones, get him another receiver. No, no, no. He's going to be okay. We got the growing pains. We have to treat him as a rookie. Last year was a lost year for Trevor Lawrence. Um, flush that away. We're treating him like he's a rookie and he's going to get the normal growing pains this year. So Jacksonville, you're all set at quarterback. I'm not worried about it at all with Trevor Lawrence. We shall see. And as of right now, the Baltimore Ravens should be the universal favorites to win the AFC North. Truth or exaggeration? Yeah, I, I've got to go with the truth there. Um, I thought you know, I'm, I'm going to say it. I thought the Bengals were bouncing back, but nope, no. <laughs> After that performance against Cleveland, and I've got no faith in Cleveland. I'm sorry. Um, not going to happen there. Baltimore was already the favorites. I think they had pretty much taken that last necessary step with Cincinnati falling all over themselves. So uh, after the trade deadline, yeah. It's a definitely a truth. Uh, adding Roquan should be that difference maker, help that fourth quarter defense out, and uh, Baltimore start thinking about the playoffs. And moving from Baltimore up the eastern seaboard to Philly, whereas the deals he made to acquire A.J. Brown and C.J. Gardner-Johnson show, Howie Roseman is the best GM in the NFL when it comes to trades. Truth or exaggeration? Well, I mean, I'm going to go with the truth. This just may be the best GM in the NFL, period, okay? Because <laughs> he's built a powerhouse there, uh, no doubt about it. Um, you know, whether through the draft, bringing in young players, Jalen Hurts, Miles Sanders, uh, you know, through the trades, A.J. Brown. Uh, let's not forget Devonta Smith in the draft yep. as well and moving around to get him as well. Um and, you know, the the fleecing that just goes on on a regular basis here with Philadelphia still holding two first-round picks this year. <laughs> and um, potentially and a top-five one. Exactly, exactly. That could be a very high pick as well, which just seems unfair where they're undefeated. And uh, I think I saw a stat that Jalen Hurts hasn't thrown a pass in the second half trailing this season and they've played seven games, like that's just ridiculous, ridiculous stat to see. So um, truth, truth, truth. The only exaggeration is in trades. I think it's probably overall right now uh, oh, the best of the best, and you're seeing it on the field each week. 
Oh, absolutely. You could definitely make the argument for Howie Roseman being the best front office executive in the entire National Football League. And moving right along here, the winner of the NFC South will be eight and nine. Truth or exaggeration? That's an exaggeration, David, but not the way you think. The winner of the NFC South is going to be seven and ten, not oh eight my and nine. I've got no faith in anybody coming out of that division right now. Eight and nine, that, that's way too optimistic right now. Way too optimistic. Seven and ten, exaggeration. Seven wins is going to take that division. Uh, if that is the case, then the 2022 NFC South will go down in history as the worst NFL division ever, dare I say that. And you made a case for this when we handed out our Go to the Week awards. Gino Smith deserves to be in the MVP conversation. Truth or exaggeration? Truth, truth, truth. Right now, you know, it's, you know, the usual candidates in the AFC. We're looking at Josh Allen. We're looking at Patrick Mahomes. Uh, definitely the cream of the crop there in the AFC. But in the NFC, uh, Jalen Hurts is in that conversation. But yes, Gino Smith definitely belongs in that MVP conversation. He has had a first half deserving of that. Whether he beats him out, I don't know. But yes, he belongs in that conversation. So definitely a truth. And from your go to the week to your dunce of the week, in truth or exaggeration, the Jets should aggressively search for an upgrade to Zach Wilson after the season, barring any improvement. Truth, 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 truth. Uh, you know, we talked about it when we did the podcast in the preseason, and I said, you know, I'm looking back at that 2021 draft and five quarterbacks in the first 15 picks. You know, two of them historically are going to turn into pumpkins. It's a matter of, you know, which two it's going to be. And I was putting all my money on. Trey Lance. I, I, I had 2022 circled as the Trey Lance folly season and him getting injured just like sucked all the fun I had planned for 2022. But Zach Wilson is stepping into that role. Um, you know, this Jets team is ready to compete at every single position across the board except quarterback, the most important position. And Zach Wilson looks exactly the same quarterback uh, that walked into training camp the first day, now a year and a half later. The lack of self-discipline, the ability to put himself in the worst position possible. I mean, he threw an interception last week trying to throw the ball out of bounds and didn't get it there uh, that, you know, on a first down, let alone, couldn't even throw the ball away to begin with. Uh, yeah, he has got to go. Um, and, you know, I don't think there's going to be enough of an upgrade coming, enough of a uh, opportunity to show. I think they've got to start 
thinking about it right now and gear up on, you know, how do we move up in the draft or uh, what are our options where we're going to end up picking here? Because Zach Wilson is not looking like the answer. Um, dare I say at this point, a year and a half in, I think Sam Darnold looked better than Zach Wilson. And for a Jets fan, that's got to be scary to hear. Oh, it looks scary to watch. He he looks like a high school quarterback yes. out there for crying out loud. It's just so sad to, to, to see it all unfold here. And uh, last but not least for Trooper Exaggeration this week, the Super Bowl hangover continues to be real after all. As the Bengals are struggling once again, especially without Jamar Chase, and the Rams continue to struggle. So Trooper Exaggeration there's a good chance that neither the Bengals or Rams make the playoffs. You know, at first I'm thinking about it and I'm like, no, that's ridiculous. But you know what? Look at in the NFC West, Seattle's for real. San Francisco's for real right now. Um, you know, in the NFC East, Philadelphia is clearly the cream of the crop, but Dallas and the Giants, I don't see either of those teams going away. I don't see a wild card spot for the Rams. So definitely a truth there. Uh, Cincinnati, I don't know if they were actually getting on track or it was a matter of, you know, they caught the Saints and Atlanta at the right time, um, banged up in the secondary and looked fantastic against them because they looked terrible against Cleveland. Uh, they, you know, struggled against the Rams. I think the only reason they beat Miami was they were down uh, to their backup quarterback before that. So it's not a good look for the Bengals. This is when they should be taking advantage of the fact that you've got Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and T Higgins all on rookie deals. You're saving a hundred million dollars in cap space this year with those three players at those premium positions, you have to take advantage of it. And again, it's starting with that offensive line, all that investment that they made, they're no better than they were last year and may be worse uh, from the looks of it. So for Cincinnati, I've got no faith that they're even going to fit into a wild card spot right now. The Jets, the Dolphins, uh, you know, the the Chargers, there's too many teams available out there in the AFC potential to make a run and bounce Cincinnati out of that wild card spot. Uh, and I don't think they're knocking off Baltimore for that division anytime soon. So uh, yeah, it's a truth on both sides, David. Sound the simpatico alert, Hal. Beep, 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 beep. I like it. I see no path to a wildcard playoff berth for the Rams at this time. Granted, uh, the season is still relatively young, but it's going to be very difficult. And uh, I see a very narrow path for the Bengals at this time for a wildcard uh, playoff berth, especially considering the fact that uh, Jamar Chase is not going to be playing these next several weeks. And heck, even when he returns, he's probably not going to be full strength again for the rest of the season because those hip injuries are very, very, very tough. And uh, that's all there is to it. And now let's uh, preview our game of the week. On Sunday night, the Titans travel to Kansas City to take on the Chiefs. The Titans currently hold uh, the second playoff seat in the AFC 
but uh, could lose it to the Chiefs on Sunday night. And uh, the most interesting thing I see for the Titans in this game right now is who is going to start at quarterback because uh, Ryan Townhill, not only was he uh, sick last week, uh, he's got an ankle problem and those uh, are uh, no picnic. And uh, my question is, Hal, uh, how much better of a chance do the Titans have of pulling off an upset against the Chiefs with a healthy Ryan Tannehill under center compared to Malik Willis? Because even when healthy this season, Ryan Tannehill has not been uh, otherworldly, dare I say. No, he has not, but he has been at least competent. And I think Malik Willis did not look ready for prime time. And for all the draft per, per, uh, you know, uh, analysts that had him going at number two overall and high in the first round, I think we got a nice up close and personal look at him and realized why he tumbled on draft day uh, because the physical skills are there but the quarterback skills are not. And he is still a project who is at least a couple years out from being a regular starter. So I think for Tennessee, um, you know, you can kick around Houston and throw, throw out a full, you know, uh, college running game there and run for 300 yards and not throw the ball practically the entire game. But against Kansas City, where uh, it's got a chance to be a track meet there and you're going to need 25 or 30 points to have a chance to pull the upset, you're going to need your quarterback making some big plays for you in that passing game. And I think the only hope Tennessee has is Ryan Tannehill back there to make those plays if they're going to pull off the upset. The Chiefs are going to need uh, Ryan Tannehill to make some plays uh, indeed. But their only plausible pathway to victory, dare I say, is riding number 22, Derrick Henry, in an attempt to shorten the game and keep Patrick Mahomes off the field. And speaking of Patrick Mahomes and that Chiefs offense and uh, the trade fest that we just experienced uh, last week, the Chiefs acquired wide receiver Kadarius Toney in a trade with the Giants. Kadarius Toney was the 20th overall pick of the uh, 2021 NFL Draft. And Andy Reid said today that there's a chance that Kadarius Tony will make his Chiefs debut Sunday night. What does Kadarius Tony bring to that Chiefs wide receiver core that they didn't have at the beginning of the season? Well, I mean, Tony, again, if, if you're looking at him, um, you know, throw out that lost season last year with the Giants. Think of him when he was coming out of the draft and he's like, a, he's like a basketball player in the slot. He's got all these different moves. He has that agility and ability. He can make cuts. He can break off the route so sharply. He's got that, you know, draw up a slot receiver for the NFL. And that's really what Kadarius Tony is. Get him the ball, get himself open in a hurry, get the ball in his hands and let him yak, yak, yak with those yards after catch. And I can't think of a better situation for him to be in than to have Andy Reid running that offense and drawing up plays to get him the ball in space. I mean, just a perfect situation for Tony. And you could be seeing some big plays right away, even with, you know, just a limited playbook right now. Um, as long as he's healthy, he's got that, that opportunity to be a dynamic weapon in that Kansas City offense. 
Oh, the potential is definitely there, but the question is, can he stay healthy? And uh, his health was a major, major reason why the Giants were comfortable uh, dealing him. And uh, let's talk about the matchups that will decide this uh, crucial game uh, on Sunday. Uh, as I said, the main key for the Titans to win is a big game from Derrick Henry in that offense uh, that milks the clock all game long and limits Patrick Mahomes' chances. And uh, he is going to have to face a formidable defensive front on Sunday with Chris Jones and those linebackers, especially Nick Bolton, who is a beast yeah. against the run. So uh, Chris Jones uh, keeping uh, Nick Bolton clean uh, could uh, be very key for the Chiefs uh, to win. Definitely, definitely. And, you know, another person that's going to be very, very important in that as well is the strong safety, Justin Reed. Uh, just, you know, we've seen Derrick Henry uh, barreling over safeties in the past. No doubt about that. Um, so Justin Reed, you're going to be that, you know, eighth man in the box. He's solid. He's not the biggest safety in the world by any stretch, but he is a good tackler. He can play, uh, up in the box if need be, and he's going to have to get dirty, uh, to get Derrick Henry down. So he's going to have to be a big part of that. But yeah, like you said, I mean, it, it takes 11 sometimes to take down Derrick Henry and, and they're going to need everybody on that defense, uh, especially Chris Jones and Nick Bolton uh, to make that impact and slow down that Tennessee running attack. And when the Titans are on defense, uh, it all starts up front for them. The best player on their defense, no offense to Kevin Byard, who I really love, Jeffrey Simmons, yes. arguably one of the top three defensive tackles in the NFL, and his running mate, Danico Autry, on the inside, going against arguably the best interior offensive line in football. We've said it time and time again. Joe Tooney, Trey Smith, and Creed Humphrey. Uh, they're going to have a big test in Simmons and Autry, and if Simmons and Autry can get some pressure off Patrick Mahomes, that could very well be the key to an upset for the Titans. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, not many teams are that strong in the middle, uh, but Tennessee, I mean, Jeffrey Simmons is just turned into a difference maker. He had all that potential coming out in the draft in 2019 with the power and the flexibility, the long arms, the quickness, all of that there. Um, and you're seeing it now. He's just turned into, uh, you know, a stud up front. And like you said, with Danico Autry there as well, you know, it's going to be a coordinated pass rush that slows down Patrick Mahomes. You're never going to stop him. You're only going to slow him down. And you need that pressure up the middle and from the edge to pin him in. And that's the only way you're going to have him making mistakes is that pressure right in his face and not being able to escape outside the pocket. So Tennessee, that defense has been very productive and it starts right up front. And that's going to be a great chance to see how they can attack Patrick Mahomes. And let's pick this game. I will go first here. Uh, I do not expect the Titans to get blown out like they did against Buffalo because I think uh, they uh, got over that uh, hump earlier in the season. And uh, this is a Mike Grable coach team. But I just cannot go against Andy Reid coming off a bye. Andy Reid just always thrives 
the first game back from a bye because he has advanced time to uh, prepare for the opponent and uh, look for all clues possible, all tendencies that uh, players have on both sides of the ball. And uh, he and Patrick Mahomes are going to have something cooked up for this game that is going to work like a Kansas City barbecue. So uh, I am going with the Chiefs 30 to 20 over the Titans. Yeah, I mean, I, I love that Titans defense. They know how to win ugly. There's no doubt about that. Um, I just worry about that offense so much. I think they're going to keep Kansas City down, lowest point total than people expect. Um, but I think, like you said, Andy Reid, they're going to jump out to an early lead. You're going to see Mike Vrabel's defense adapt, attack, slow down that Kansas City attack, but I don't think they have the horses, even with Ryan Tannehill, uh, if he is able to play instead of Malik Willis, I, I just don't think they can put enough points on the board. So I've got it a lot lower scoring game, but I still have Kansas City winning it 19 to 16 over Tennessee. Oh, fascinating. That's exactly the kind of game the Titans need, yet you still don't think they can play. I still don't out. think they're going to do it. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We shall see it. Now let's pick the rest of these week nine games starting tonight in Houston. If you thought what the Phillies did to the Astros in game three of the World Series was ugly, this is going to be even uglier. Eagles <sighs> in a Rob, a blowout, 31 to 10. Oh, wow. You're nicer than I am, David. (laughs) I've got it 37 to six. I just don't see how Houston has a chance of slowing down Philadelphia or uh, being able to consistently score in any way against that defense. Cakewalk. um, Yeah. Philadelphia 37, Houston six. I agree. Should be a snooze fest uh, tonight in Houston. And uh, the Washington Commanders have quietly won three consecutive games, and they host the Vikings at home this Sunday. And, yeah, the Daniel Snyder stuff could be a distraction, but I believe in Ron Rivera. He can coach and help his team overcome whatever distractions may come. And the Vikings, I don't hate the Vikings. I think they're a very, very good team, but are they a great team? I do not think so. They have almost lost to the Lions. They've almost lost to the Bears. And last week, they almost lost to the Cardinals. All three of those teams are not good teams. And uh, the Vikings, I think, are due for a reality check. I like the Commanders in an upset. How? Stay tuned for bowl predictions. Oh, I like it, David. I like it indeed. Yeah, I mean, Washington, it's all about if the defense shows up or not. You know, 21 points or less game they allow, they're three and one. 22 points or more, they're one and three. It's that simple. Uh, that's where their success lies. But man, you know, people with chips on their shoulders, when I think of that, you know, doesn't curse. Cousins come to mind and you know don't you think it's going to be a little bit special for him here going up against Washington I kind of think so I think that's just the edge the Vikings need Um, I'm going to take the Vikings they're going to get over that 21 points so close game but Minnesota 24 Washington 22 and moving right along, the Chicago Bears and Justin Fields host Tuga Tugavailoa and the Dolphins. I originally wanted to pick the Bears as my upset specialist this week, 
And I think Justin Fields is going to have another good game. But uh, the Bears defense, uh, they just lost their best defensive player. And I think uh, Mike McDaniel has all the horses on offense to just rip uh, an inexperienced unit to shreds like the Cowboys did last week. I like the Dolphins. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd you know, you never know how a team's going to come out of the trade deadline, giving up a big piece like Chicago did. And Raquan Smith, the leader on that defense, uh, you know, the guys in the locker room know that for sure. And that's kind of like waving the white flag on the season to an extent. But, you know, sometimes the teams come out and they're a little bit angry. Um, but, you know, like we said, you got to look at the matchups. Jalen Waddle, uh, Tyreek Hill, Kendall Vildor, you know, I mean, Jalen Johnson's a good, very underrated cornerback, Jalen Johnson. But, you know, the rest of that secondary, you've got Jaquan Briska's a very good young safety. They just don't have the horses. Rookie Kyler Gordon's growing into the role there. Chicago just doesn't have the horses to slow down Miami. I'd love to, I'd say attitude wise, Chicago, they may come out and surprise them in the first half and keep it close, but Dolphins pulling away with it. Uh, We're going to put it at 30 to 20 Miami over Chicago. The Packers at three and five travel to Motown to take on the lions. And uh, the Packers might've lost to Buffalo last week, but I, admired how they battled uh, that game. They just uh, didn't quit. They just kept fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting until the bitter end. The defense, I think, had some great moments. And uh, I think uh, this uh, weekend is an excellent opportunity against the pathetic Lions defense to get that running game going. I think they get it done. I like the Packers. Yeah, I I mean, I'm going with the Packers as well. And I, man, you know, Detroit, are we buying into Dan Campbell is the coach to turn around this lions team? I'm losing faith. I'm losing faith. 24 games in Dan Campbell, five, 18 and one 24 games prior to Dan Campbell with Matt Patricia at head coach five and 19. This is the same team. Nothing's changed in four years in Detroit. I'm sorry to say it. I've got Green Bay winning this one as well. And uh, call it a get right game. We'll call it 31 to 13 for Green Bay. Josh Allen and the Bills travel to East Rutherford to take on the New York Jets. And as good, if not great, as the Jets are at all other positions outside of quarterback, the Bills are even better, and they have one of the best quarterbacks in the league. The Jets might keep it close for about a quarter, maybe a half. But in the end, uh, Josh Allen's going to be too much for that defense. And that Bills defense is just going to force Zach Wilson to way too many mistakes. I like the Bills. Uh, let's say 27, Jets 9. Yeah, I mean, you know, Jets are a great story, you know, sitting at, well, they were 5-2 and two going into last week, 5-3 and three now. But, um, you know, they've got the look of a team with the wheels coming off the bus real, real soon. Brees Hall was a difference maker on that offense. Elijah Vera Tucker was carrying that offensive line, stepping in at right tackle, shifting over from guard. Um, So many good things happening there. 
crashing in an instant. And and really, you look at that Jets record and you say, you know, the miracle game against Cleveland. Uh, you know, Nick Chubb slides down at the one-yard line. The game's over. The Jets lose. Uh, the collapse by Pittsburgh in the fourth quarter, uh, week four as well. Uh, catching Miami with the uh, concussion on the first drive of the game and having Skylar Thompson in at quarterback. I mean, that's three games that really should have went the other way. I can't buy into the Jets. I can't even see them keeping it close here against Buffalo. Um, You know, Josh Allen is coming out of last week as well with a little chip on his shoulder, throwing two interceptions in the second half as well. Um, So he was not very happy for somebody that was cruising to a 27 and 17 win. So, uh, you know, Josh Allen, like the Incredible Hulk, I don't think you want to see him when he's upset. So uh, this could get really ugly real fast. I've got it. Buffalo 38, the Jets 10. Your New England Patriots host Sam Ellinger's Indianapolis Colts Sunday afternoon in Foxborough. And uh, the Colts, uh, they look like a team, uh, dare I say, that uh, has punted the season. Uh, blowing a lead against a commander's team that has uh, just a below average offense, just uh, smoke a lot of volumes and uh, going against a, a Patriots team at Bill Belichick uh, that uh, is coming off a win against the Jets and uh, anxious to carry that momentum forward. They will carry that momentum forward. I like the Patriots uh, in this game by a relatively comfortable margin, let's say uh, 24 to six. I sound that simpatico alert, David. I was pretty close to that score as well. Um, I think the Patriots are starting to get Mac Jones up to speed. He looked a lot better last week than he did the week before. And I think the more he plays, the more in rhythm he's going to be. Um, Yeah, Indianapolis punted on the season is a great way to put it. This team is heading in the wrong direction, and that offense was in the wrong direction to begin with before benching Matt Ryan. I've got it New England 24, Indianapolis 9. The Raiders, after an absolute stinker in New Orleans, traveled to Jacksonville to take on the Jaguars, who lost another heartbreaker in London to my Denver Broncos. The Raiders have been a disappointment this year and the Jaguars have fallen off the face of the earth after an impressive start there, I say. And I think the Raiders get it done this week. I think uh, they go back to a run of the ball with Josh Jacobs. Uh, The Jaguars uh, are gonna have a hard time uh, covering uh, those weapons. Uh, They do not have the horses in the secondary that the Saints do. Uh, Give me the Raiders. Yeah, I, I, I expect the Raiders to bounce back as well. Um, they didn't get Josh Jacobs going in this game at all. And, you know, one of those things as well is that I think for whatever reason, Dennis Allen, we've talked about how well his defenses play against Tom Brady. Um, and I think, you know, an extension of Tom Brady is, you know, Raiders head coach Josh McDaniels as well. Um just look at what they did to the Patriots last year as well. They, that offensive production was minimal, nothing 
terrible in week three. I think Dennis Allen just has McDaniel's number, uh, whether it's a matchup, a tendency, uh, comfort level, or whatever. I think Las Vegas should be able to get back on track. Devontae Adams, one reception for three yards. I think he's going to come out uh, guns a-blazing with a big, big game. So I, I've got Las Vegas taking it over Jacksonville, 27-17. to 17. Oh, very good point. Dennis Allen does have the number of uh, Josh McDaniels and Tom Brady indeed. And the Carolina Panthers and P.J. Walker, who had a very impressive game last Sunday against the Falcons, uh, traveled to Cincinnati to take on the wounded Bengals. And this is not going to be a cakewalk for the Bengals at all. They're going up against Brian Burns, one of the best young pass rushers in the game. And the Panthers were wise to turn that trade offer down from the Rams. Yes, the Rams gave him two first off picks, but Brian Burns, he's a franchise cornerstone. You do not trade those players no matter what. And um, uh, the offensive line for the Bengals is going to have a very, very hard time with Brian Burns. And Deontay Foreman is also running the ball very well for the Panthers. And the Bengals missing DJ Reader. Uh, he's uh, going to um, have some opportunities to uh, gain some uh, good yards there. Uh, but I just uh, do not want to bet against Joe Burrow uh, coming off a bad performance. I think he finds a way to get it done. It's going to be a close one, but I think the Bengals eke out a 23-20 win. Yeah, I, I'm with you on this game. It's it's going to be a close one. Uh, I'm not thinking the Bengals are going to bounce back quite so well as what this week, though. I think Carolina's got a chance to pull this off. And yeah, I'll I'll go with it. What the heck? Let's make that Carolina 20, Cincinnati 19. Well, that's a very fair prediction, Hal. And the Chargers coming off the bye travel to Atlanta to take on the first place Atlanta Falcons in the uh, NFC South and coaching does matter. And I like Arthur Smith far more than I like Brandon Staley because the fact that Arthur Smith has gotten this level of performance from a, a team that is talent efficient as the Falcons are, it, it just uh, speaks volumes, but quarterbacks matter even more. Justin Herbert against Marcus Mariota, uh, even with a uh, depleted uh, receiving core, Justin Herbert just knows how to, raise all uh, boats with the, his tide and uh, he is going to um, uh, have a very good game and I just do not trust Marcus Mariota to play catch up with him I like the Chargers you know uh, I told you before the Chargers they still have to prove themselves to me Chargers gonna Charger so uh, this will be my upset special of the week here I'm taking Atlanta at home and they'll figure out a way to do it somehow. Heck, I'll tell you about it in my bold prediction. Atlanta 24, Chargers 22. And if you had to call a game the Disappointment Bowl, it would be this one as the Rams travel to Tampa to take on the Bucks. Oh my God. Uh, the problems with the Bucks, they go beyond Tom Brady. Uh, they miss Bruce Arians, don't yes. they? They do. Oh my God. They look so poorly coached. Uh, oh my God. Uh, for that reason alone, I'm going with the Rams <laughs> because uh, coaching matters. And I trust Sean McVay more than Todd Bowles. Sean McVay has had Todd Bowles number. And I think he's even going to have Todd Bowles number with a, uh, with a roster that is his least talented, dare I say, since he's become head coach of the Rams. I like the Rams. Uh, you know, uh, 
I got to agree with you, missing Bruce Arians. Uh, you know, I think Byron Leftwich's name has been crossed off all of those hot young coordinators, next head coach lists um, by teams all across the league this week. Um, you know, I, you know, this could, this could be the week we see the full Tom Brady um, mutiny taking place. Maybe he's going to shut off the helmet, rip it, uh, shut off the microphone and the helmet, rip it out of there or something, and, and start calling his own plays at the line of scrimmage. I don't know what's happening there with Tampa, but they've got to improve. I think they're still a little more talented than the Rams right now. And with that, playing at home, I'm just going to give them a little bit of an edge, but Boy, for a game that before the season looked like the, you know, NFC championship preview, this oh, game has no. gone down the toilet. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, I'll give it to Tampa Bay at home, uh, 24 to 20 over the Rams. MVP candidate Geno Smith of the Seahawks traveling to the desert to take on the Cardinals. And Vegas has the Cardinals favored in this game. Give me a break. You've written off Geno Smith way too often, but once again, he won't write back. He will just shut up and play and show you why this season is not a fluke. Seahawks all the way in this game. Oh, yeah. No, no doubt about it. I mean, Arizona just seems to hang around in some of these games, and you're kind of like, wait a minute, they're still in the game somehow? They're, they're clawing their way back in, and, and they'll just find a way to lose. I mean, it's a mess out in the desert. Let's face it. Team Gino, we're all on board. No doubt about it. Uh, let's make it Seattle 30, Arizona 17. And on Monday night in New Orleans, the Saints, after a dominating performance over the Raiders, host Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. Dennis Allen may have the number of Josh McDaniels and Tom Brady, but Lamar Jackson is in a different stratosphere than Tom Brady and Derek Carr are at this time. Uh, and that Saints defense has been atrocious most of the season, and I think they revert back to form against Lamar, the Ravens, coming off a mini by. I like the Ravens in a relatively easy win, let's say 31 to 16. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I think, you know, there was a little bit of a hiccup there for Baltimore, uh, you know, uh, losing to the Giants, you know, not a lot of offense against Cincinnati, struggling against Cleveland. And they kind of got a little back on track against Tampa. And like you said, they got that little mini buy. Uh, I would not want to be facing Lamar right now. I think this offense is back on track. I think the whole team is excited with the move at the trade deadline as well to beef up that defense. So uh, I think it's going to be a Big, big game for Baltimore here. I, I hate to say it, but uh, I don't see Kamara running wild on Baltimore like he did last week. So I've got it. Baltimore winning pretty handily, uh, 27 to 16 over the Saints. And now let's make our bold predictions for week nine. You go first, Dale. All right. Well, I teased it up. Uh, Atlanta over the Chargers, 24 to 22. How the heck is Atlanta going to score 24 points? Yes, we love Marcus Mariota. Yes, their young running backs with Cordero Patterson out uh, have been carrying the load. Uh, yes, DJ Moore. Uh, I'm sorry, DJ Moore. No, uh, Drake London and Kyle Pitts, that dy dynamic young duo at tight end and wide receiver, the big guys. But Who's the secret star of the game that's going to put him over the top? Mr. Big Play himself, Demir Bird. Four receptions, 
two touchdowns? Why not have another two uh, this week? What the heck? Demir Bird, two 50-plus-yard touchdown receptions in the game, carries Atlanta as the Chargers with the defensive breakdowns keep charging. That's my bold prediction for Sunday. Now, my bold prediction is in our nation's capital, where Taylor Heineke leads the commanders to an upset win over the Vikings by scoring five total touchdowns, three of them passing, two of them running, including a game-winning touchdown pass to scary Terry McLaurin in the final seconds to give the commanders a 35-31 to 31 victory. And last but not least, let's give our challenge flags for week nine. I'll go first. My challenge flag goes to the entire NFC South. Bucks, Falcons, Panthers, Saints. Somebody, please show up and show us you want to win this division. Hell, you, you said it yourself. You think it's only going to take seven wins to win this division. I don't want that to happen. One of you four teams, please show up and show out starting this week and keep it going and show us why you're the best team in that division. That is my challenge flag. I love it, Dave. The race to seven wins is on. I love it. Oh. Hopefully it's more than that, Hal. I want a better product. <laughs> I hope so as well. Uh, my challenge flag, hey, I already half called them out in my bold prediction. Brandon Staley, the Los Angeles Chargers. I feel like I could throw you out here every week and stomp all over you. Come on. <laughs> on four and three you're holding on tenuously to that last wild card spot right now um you got four of your next five games are on the road coming out of your bye week uh, atlanta is a lot tougher than it looked like san francisco's clicking you come home to kansas city that's no vacation there and then back out west it's not a pretty time coming up for the Chargers. They're going to have to find W's. Um, I just don't know how that's going to happen here. Look, at this team just has so much talent. Otherworldly quarterback, Justin Herbert. Multi-threat, Austin Eckler. You got Mike Williams and Keenan Allen at your wide receiver positions there. You've got Khalil Mack and Kenneth Murray, Derwin James, Asante Samuel, great young players in that secondary as well. And yeah, there's some injuries, Bosa, Slater, Jackson, sure. But you still have more talent most games than the team lining up opposite from you. And if you're losing that game, it's coming down to the coaching. So Brandon Staley, all eyes are on you. This is the tough part of the schedule. This is where you should have been sitting at six and one, not four and three coming into this tough five game stretch here. So you've got to survive November here. Um, I'm not, I'm betting against you this week. So challenge flag, Brandon Staley and the Chargers prove me wrong. 
He is Hal Bent, ladies and gentlemen, of full press coverage. You can follow him on Twitter at HalBent01. Hal, thank you so much once again. And that's it for today here on Sports Crunch. But we'll be back next week to hand out our midseason awards, as well as recap week nine, preview week 10, and discuss all the latest news and notes from around the National Football League. So stay tuned. Meanwhile, be sure to follow me on Twitter at dcrom 59 as well as on Instagram and TikTok at Sports Crunch with DCROM. And remember, that's Crunch with a K. Also, it's November, and that means it's time for the annual Cheer for the Troops campaign run by my good friends, the Denver Broncos cheerleaders. This is one of my favorite annual charitable causes as all month long, the Denver Broncos cheerleaders will be collecting donations of various kinds to make holiday care packages to send to the brave men and women of our United States Armed Forces that are stationed overseas. Follow them on Twitter at Broncos Cheer or on Instagram at Denver Broncos Cheer for more info on how to help bring some well-deserved holiday cheer to those who make the ultimate sacrifice for us each and every day. For Hal Bent, this is David Cromwell, and as always, please choose love, please choose kindness, please choose compassion, please choose selflessness, please choose empathy, and whatever your political views, I beg you, please do not forget to vote on Tuesday. Until next time, cats and kittens. Stay cool.